When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome back to episode number 20 of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Smith. This podcast, as you know, is brought to you by the Key Pounding Podcast Network, and you can follow us on Twitter at kppounding underscore FSSN. And this podcast is ultimately powered by the Fans First Sports Network. You can follow them on Twitter at Fans First SN. You can rate, review, and subscribe. We would love that wherever you get your podcast. And follow us also on Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash tobacco radio. Well, my latest guest here on Inside the Vault, if you've been with me for the previous 19 episodes, this is a little bit of a different one today, but he is actually uh, the host of the Call Sheet podcast on Fans First Sports Network NFL channel, and he is the head football coach at Ocean City High School in New Jersey. You can follow him on Twitter at KTSmithFSSN. Coach Kevin Smith, welcome to Inside the Vault. Good to have you on. Awesome, Ryan. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Anything for a fellow Smith, you know? Hey, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I So good. Yes. Um, let's just get right into it. I start with every guest. Um, you're obviously not a Panthers fan from Charlotte directly, obviously. So this is a little bit different uh, podcast having you on. But I know uh, listening to the call sheet, you have a lot of perspective. One of your last episodes specifically talked about offensive coordinating, play calling. So we're going to get into that. Um but from your 4,000 foot view up in New Jersey, um, what do you, what have you seen from the one in 11 Panthers this season? Uh, you, you, good, bad, or different? Uh, just kind of start with an overview of kind of what you've seen from afar from, um, from the Carolina Panthers this year. Yeah. Well, so first let me say this, man. Uh, even though I'm not a Panthers fan, the Panthers are a little near and dear to my heart because my son is a Panthers fan. And oh. that's, that's hard. We're, we're from New Jersey. I'm a Steelers fan. He's 24 years old, and I let him pick his own team. And when he was about six years old, he liked the Panther on the helmets. So there you go, man. Yeah. He stuck with him. He was excited that I was coming on your show. So that's he awesome. stuck with that's him awesome. from second pin. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But but to answer your question, yeah, you know, sort of 
So from from an outsider's view looking in, obviously I thought it was a great hire when they brought in Frank Reich. Uh, I was, you know, I li- I live fairly close to Philadelphia. The Eagles are the local team here, so really was uh, uh, impressed with his work in Philly, and and I thought he'd be a great mentor to Bryce Young, and you know, obviously it didn't work out. And I, you know, as a as a as a coach, I often try to look at at the why. You know, why yeah. why did the situation go bad and and what's the dynamic there? And it feels like, and you can obviously, you guys know better than I do, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I mean, it feels yeah. like one of the problems that they had with it with Reich was that they're just, they just lacked a lot of identity on offense. It feels like when you watch the Panthers, you yeah. never really got a feel for what they were trying to do. What was their, what was the, the focus? What were, what were they trying to establish on the offensive side of the football? And I think that's tough yeah. on a young quarterback, you know, like with a young quarterback, you want to be able to give them something that they can hang their hat on so they can find some early success. And I never really looked uh, at a Panthers game and thought to myself, like, hey, Bryce Young looks really comfortable or really confident doing X, Y, or Z. So I think that that was a big problem. Yeah. We're going to get into that a little bit. Um, just to recap, in case you've been living under a rock, any fans who are who might be um, just kind of uh, – <laughs> They, but they quit watching after, you know, one and eight or one and seven. Yes, Frank Reich was fired um, uh, last week. Um, Thomas Brown is now uh, the OC for the rest of the season. Um, so let's start there. Um, just a basic play calling perspective from Reich Young's perspective, um, having Frank Reich call the plays back to Thomas Brown, back to Frank Reich, and now Thomas Brown for the rest of the year. Um Obviously, it's just a different voice in his ear, but let's just start with the just the basics. Um, how does that affect a quarterback, let alone a rookie and Bryce Young? Right. And they also, I believe, you know, you had Josh McCown as a quarterback's coach, and then you had right. yep. Jim Jim Caldwell, who's a senior offensive advisor, and James Camp in the O-line coach. I mean, he's he's been around the league a long time. A lot of voices, a lot of opinions, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I that it, it's funny, man, with a quarterback, right? Again, you want to simplify things. You, you want to try to make the game as easy as possible for them, having a unified voice so that they know that, you know, okay, if I'm, if we're running this, this particular route concept, right, my read progression is going to be ABC and, yeah. and knowing and understanding what that read progression is because it's being enforced in the meeting room by the quarterback's coach on the practice field by the offensive coordinator. And then generally speaking by the head coach, that's huge because now again, man, it's, it's, it's finding that comfort zone. But when you go to one coach and he says, do it like this and another coach and he says, do it like that, those conflicting voices just slow down the process. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we always say in the coaching world that like a, a, a slow mind equals slow feet. That if you're thinking on the field, you're not doing on the field. And obviously for a young player, that's devastating. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that, but it, it feels like um a lot of Panthers fans feel like it just was too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, with Thomas Brown coming from the Rams, Shamit Bay offensive mind, Frank coming from the uh Colts, um, slash Philly, like you mentioned earlier. Um, Josh McCallan, high school coach, and then uh, interviewed for head coaching positions also, uh, but this was really his first coordinator or coach job in the NFL. Uh, a lot of Deuce Daly coming from Philly as well. So a lot of different background uh, that just couldn't really mold together, but we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, so Thomas Brown and Frank Reich said um, that it was Frank's scheme that was installed. Thomas Brown had a hand in those plays. So 
I guess my next question is now that Frank's gone, I mean, how much can Thomas Brown really change up the scheme or what he's calling um, at, in these final five games? Um, should he, you know, be given some slack? Cause this is really not his scheme. I mean, he had a hand in it, but it's really right. at the end of the day. Um, and yet it feels like it's looked the same so far. We'll get into what I saw specifically in just a second, but um, in general, what would you say to that? I don't think you you have the time or the space for significant change. Yeah. As a Steelers fan, Pittsburgh's going through the same thing. They yeah. they just fired Matt Canada, yeah. corner, Matt Canada and, and and now they've handed it off to two to co-coordinators. And in the two weeks since Canada's been gone, there there's been some tweaks. There have been it's been a little bit more aggressive, trying to attack down the field a little bit more. But for yeah. the most part, it's largely the same scheme because I mean, let's face it, right? You have you have Mondays off, you have meetings on Tuesday, you practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday's a walkthrough, and Sunday's the game. How yep. much meaningful change? You can't implement entirely new offense. Really what you can do is you can try to simplify things. I mean, I, I would like to think that in Carolina, what Thomas Brown is trying to do right now is unify the voice, cut, trim the fat, you know, get rid of the stuff that's not working. A lot of times when an offense fails, it's it's because it you know it's like the midnight menu at Denny's man. There's like uh, you know a hundred choices and none of it's good, you know. So so you got to try to focus on the things that that you're doing well, um, and that the quarterback can do well, uh, and then you just got to you know see what things that, what where are the specific areas you want to improve. You know, like for example, if you feel as though uh, the quarterback reads the middle of the field well, but you weren't attacking the middle of the field, maybe you'll you'll implement a few play action concepts or shallow crosses or things that allow him to throw the ball there, but you're not going to reinvent that thing. And so Panthers fans really shouldn't expect to see radical change. Yeah. So let's get into that a little bit more uh, this week. Um, when we played down in Tampa against uh, former quarterback Baker Mayfield, who was on uh, the Panthers last year, um, you know, we saw um, Bryce Young more under center. Uh, we saw some more motion at the line of scrimmage. Um, we also saw play action off uh, some of that motion. Um, we also even saw um, Chuba Hubbard run for over 100 yards rushing, and our offensive line went back to kind of that uh, power running game, a physical running game, which we had under Steve Wilkes last year for the interim six games. Um, this year, it was more of a zone blocking scheme, which didn't really fit our own line. It felt like they were putting a square peg into a round hole and trying to make it work. Uh, so at least on this past game, our run, our offensive line had its best game of the year run game wise. And Bryce young looked very comfortable in play action off under center. So that's at least what I saw in this first game, but kind of go into the difference between um, and as basic as you can for the fans who may not be as football savvy, you know, go, going under center, which is what Bryce was doing in this game more and with play action involved versus what he was previously doing is in the shotgun with more pistol formation, uh, that sort of scheme. Right. So when you're under center, it really does benefit the play action game because you can turn your back on the defense. You can really hide the ball better from the defense. Uh, when you're in the shotgun, most of the time that play action fake occurs across your face and the ball's exposed. Right. So it's a little bit harder to, to create the disguise. Um, if you're an athletic quarterback like Bryce Young, you might be able to, to create great movement off of things like a stretch concept, an outside zone concept where where you're sort of running the ball back to to the back who's who's uh, taking a horizontal path, really stretching those linebackers. And now you pull the ball away and boot back opposite. 
and you're working crossing routes, you know, coming from the opposite side of the field, that's, you know, trying to fill the voids where those linebackers have been displaced. I mean, that kind of stuff that it's just not as good in the shotgun. Now, if you're in the shotgun and you're like a good RPO team, so an RPO run pass option is a concept where the quarterback takes the snap. And as he's riding the running back, his eyes are on a second level player, a linebacker or a safety. And he's going to give the ball to the back or he's going to pull it and throw it uh, based on the movement of that read key, that second level player. You can't do that from under center, but you can do that from from the shotgun. So it all depends. Like what's Bryce Young's strength? Like for me, I look at him as as a play action movement based quarterback, not as much an RPO guy. So getting under center a little bit more, I think, would be beneficial for Carolina, especially if they can get that run game going, you know, I, like yeah. you mentioned, Chuba Hubbard had over a hundred yards last week and that's a great place to start, man. You want to, you want to give, uh, you want to help Bryce Young get that run game going. So, so yeah. I do think the under center philosophy is beneficial. Yeah. He did run a lot of RPOs at Alabama. So that's also something that Frank didn't do as much, which is kind of shocking considering uh, he ran a lot of those in Philly when he was under Doug Peterson uh, in his offense there as well. Um, but yeah, that's something we could potentially see, uh, as well going forward too, um, with Bryce. Cause I know he did run that a lot at, at Bama. So, um, we'll see where that goes. Um, but getting into it a little bit deeper now, um, your podcast, again, the call sheet on fans first sports network, uh, NFL, um, version, um, not to give too much away there, but, um, you had an episode specifically about play calling. So I'm going to ask you now, what makes a good play call? What? In its simplest terms, what what does that mean? I mean, I believe that the best play callers, uh, they do their they do the real heavy lifting on well, if we're using NFL terms, on you know Monday to Saturday. Yeah. I think the best play callers uh, are effective in their preparation and their ability to a diagnose what the defense wants to do and and to know the defense inside and out, and then b create a strategy for how to exploit that defense, uh, which which obviously is something you do with your coaches. You bring in your key players. So in Carolina, right, Thomas Brown wants to to meet with his offensive line coach, his quarterback's coach, get their best ideas how to as to how to exploit Tampa Bay's defense, meet with Bryce Young. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, and then obviously you have to teach that to your players throughout the week, man. You got to be great in the preparation. You have to, you have to plot out every scenario that you think you're going to encounter and allow them to anticipate it and, and know what to expect. Hey, when we, if it's fourth and one and the game's on the line, we're hanging our hat on this because we know that, that they're going to do this. And this is how we're going to respond because by the time you get to the game, your, all your answers should be there on your call sheet. You know, everybody likes to focus on play calling and say, like, like they think that, like, the great offense coordinators come up with the great calls in the right moments. And that's true. They do. But that's rarely a product of the moment. It's it's almost always a product of the preparation. So, for me, those the best play callers are the ones who excel during the week and for whom the game is simply a product of that preparation. Yeah. And it's well known that um, from college, to the NFL and, and into the high school level, um, you really the first 10 plays, 15 plays are scripted. And then they kind of go into um, you, you base off your adjustments, in-game adjustments. So um, for someone like the Panthers, uh, I'll kind of give you uh, with your son being a Panthers fan, you probably know a little bit more too, but giving uh, here's what the Panthers have been facing. 
Bryce Young um, with our offensive line has not given him a lot of time. Um, part of that is due to the scheme that was involved under Reich this year. Um, but that that's part of it. Another part of it is outside of Adam Thielen. Our receivers have not gotten consistent separation. And number three, Bryce has constantly felt that pressure. And because the receivers are not getting separation, he's been holding the ball. Not I, w- I don't want to say waiting for college openness instead of NFL openness, because we all know he because rookies tend to struggle with that, you know, coming out anyway. But it almost feels like he's feeling the pressure and not going through his reads because he has so much time, little time to throw. And with, if no one's getting open, he either takes the sack or he throws it away or he makes an um, boneheaded play that unfortunately results in an interception or fumble recovery by the defense. So kind of walk us through how hard is that? Is, is he, is, is he processing too much? Is he processing not enough? What do you think is going on in his head? I know you're obviously not in the building, but to, as a head coach, uh, in football, how can you speak to that? I mean, first of all, think about the transition he's had to make going from Alabama, where, I mean, unless they were playing in Georgia, they were by far the most talented team on the field. He's got the better dudes at Alabama. He doesn't have to worry about uh, throwing the ball into tight windows as much because his rec- receivers are creating that separation. He doesn't have to deal with as much pressure in his face because his offensive line is all NFL caliber. And now he's coming to Carolina, which – I mean, they, they've kind of gutted the roster, unfortunately. They've gotten rid of their best playmakers. They've, they've you know, they're struggling to protect him. They've had injuries to their starting guards. He's being thrust into a situation where not only is the game faster, not only is are the concepts different, not only is he probably hearing too many voices in his head that's slowing down his ability to process information, but now he doesn't have the same talent that he had just a year ago. And like you mentioned, college open versus pro open, the windows in the pro game are way smaller and you got to process way faster and you got to anticipate way faster. And so it's probably all that, all the above, that adjustment that he's had to make on all those levels is, has slowed him down. And if he doesn't have a coaching staff that knows specifically what they want to do with him, and how they want to do it, then that's an even bigger problem because now, now, now they lack that focus. You know, like my son, I asked, I told him I was coming on your podcast and he was all excited. And he, and he said, I said, so, so, you know, what's, what's, what do you see out of, out of Carolina that, that is frustrating you? And he, he pointed to last week's game at the end of the game, the Panthers are trailing by a field goal and they have the ball and they've got a third and one and then a fourth and one on their own 40. Two passes. Just over just two minutes after, right and they throw the ball twice and he just said like like it just feels like they, they don't know what they want to do in that moment chuba hubbard's got over 100 yards and he doesn't touch the ball in those final two plays and that's probably and meanwhile you look at bryce young's stats and he's like 15 for 31 so so going into those last two plays you're 50 percent throwing the ball and you've given up four sacks meanwhile your running backs got over 100 yards and and you don't hand him the ball. Like that's the stuff that probably is frustrating Panthers fans, but also frustrating Bryce Young because in that moment, he probably doesn't know, well, what's expected of me here? You know, I mean, like we're leaning on the run game all game long, but now you want me to go make the big play. Now, now time out for a second. I was going to get into that. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, is that Thomas Brown just being an inexperienced green play caller and he's learning on the fly? Is that part of it? You think is he overthinking it could be overthinking. You know, sometimes as a play caller, uh, you you give too much credit to the defense. You know, you say like, "Well, hey man, the running backs run rush for over a hundred yards." 
in a, in a situation that demands you you be able to execute your best. So yeah, I think you can overthink it. I think as a young play caller too, that uh, that you fall in love with concepts a lot, things that look good on the whiteboard, you know, yeah. things that look good on the video, and you say, oh, we got them third and one, man. We've got this great. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Play action concept where we got this great, you know, whatever it is. And this now is the perfect time to use it because in theory it's great. Yeah. Uh, but really, but what's been working has been something else. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to the nitty gritty here in just a few seconds, but um, being a head coach, um, there's, it, it seems like there's a culture shift in the NFL right now when it comes to offensive play calling or, or offensive head coaches and defensive head coaches. You have the stalwarts like Mike Tomlin and Mike Vabrell on the defensive side of the ball. And then you've got guys like Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid on the offensive side of the ball. Um, in your opinion, um, one part one, does either of them really make a difference on who's your head coach? As long as you have a good play caller, number one, and number two, it seems like teams are going more with the offensive minded coaches simply because once that defensive minded coach has a young hotshot coordinator, they lose them as a, to a head coach and then they don't have someone to promote them, uh, within. Right. Uh, you know, I've been talking about this a lot on my podcast. So I think the defenses are ahead of the offenses right now, or at least have caught up because, you know, there's these, there's these shifts that occur every, every four or five years, however long it might be where you get an innovation on one side of the ball and then you get the reaction to it. And, and obviously the rules changes that were implemented four or five years ago made it a lot easier to throw the ball. And yeah. so everybody really, you know, started going to those 11 personnel three wide receiver set, spreading the field, chucking it around, quick passing game, get the ball out of your hands quickly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but teams could do that in part because when you look at the quarterbacks in the league five years ago, you had all these veterans who were tremendous players for long, long times, right? You had, you had Brady and the Mannings and Roethlisberger and Rivers and Matt Ryan and all those guys. And, and I mean, you could, th you could throw the ball 40 times a game with them because they were brilliant at it, but they've all, they've all left. And they've been replaced by a bunch of young kids who are now, like we see with Bryce Young, getting thrown in the lineup right away. Man, there's there's no like yeah. you know you're gonna sit a year. You know, there's no like Aaron Rodgers stories where he sits behind a guy for four years, and and a lot of them aren't ready. And and so now you have these offensive minded OCs that want to that want to you know do an awful lot with their quarterbacks, but the quarterbacks are green and in many instances unprepared. And the defenses have caught up, man. I mean, it's a, when I break down film of defenses now, I'm blown away. Like, I I don't know. I can't tell you what coverage teams are lined up in. You look at the defense pre-snap, it's almost a guarantee that they're shifting to something else post-snap. And as a 23-year-old as a, a quarterback who probably didn't see that stuff in college, that it's challenging, man. And yeah. so I think right now that, like, the, the combination of inexperienced quarterbacks, young coordinators that might want to make, do maybe a little bit too much, uh, and defensive innovation has made it really tough on the offenses. Yeah. Um, switching gears, I, I know you, I don't know if your son uh, talked to you about this or not, but um, 
what, as we look to 2024, Panthers are going to hire a new coach, the sixth one in uh, David Tepper's tenure. That's another podcast that I won't, I won't bother you with at this moment, uh, David Tepper's ownership, but we won't talk about that right now. Um, oh, he's, right. He fascinates me, man. He, he does. <laughs> he does. He, uh, but we, uh, anyway, uh, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Gotcha, what gotcha. Do, what do the Panthers need? Um, you, I, I've you've seen, I, I've heard everything from we need a culture builder who to uh, who's a no nonsense guy like like a Jim Harbaugh. I've also heard we need someone like Frank Smith from the Dolphins, who's not calling the plays for Mike McDaniel, but he's darn good on on offensive mind, who can come in and he's prop, you know, and people are bringing up guys like uh, Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick you guys like that um but those are guys that are probably gonna have options frank smith is someone who doesn't strike me as gonna have as many options might slide under the radar a little bit someone who can come in run his version of the shanahan system give bryce a quarterback friendly offense and and surround him with playmakers kind of like they've done with tua there in miami and and make him go so what do you see is someone that david tepper is looking to hire uh for 2024 and hopefully stay for a a long time (laughs) yeah I mean, I obviously I don't know. I can't speak for David Tepper, but if I were in David Tepper's shoes and I were looking to fill that vacancy in Carolina, I would really emphasize culture because when you've had six head coaches in six years, you've had six different philosophies and you haven't had any opportunity to sort of build something that the team can hang its hat on. This is our identity. This is who we are. Well, I mean, one thing is a Steelers fan. Uh, I mean, I'm 53 years old. There, there've been three head coaches in my life in Pittsburgh and and while, while fans grow impatient and there's often cries for, like, we need a change, we need to replace this guy, you know, fire Mike Tomlin. You know, uh, at least with the Steelers, you know you know who they are and you know what you're going to get. And I yeah. think that, that that contributes to a lot of their success. Yeah. So, I mean, I think somebody who can come in and essentially say, like, this is our identity, sort of, sort of in a way like what Dan Campbell's done in Detroit. Dan Campbell came in and he said – you know, this, we're going to be a tough, a tough football team and we're going to scratch and claw and fight teams. And we're going to play with some swag. And I mean, he established right out of the gates, uh, who De- who Detroit was going to be. Yeah. And now, granted, he's got a lot of talent there, but at the same time, I think, uh, a guy who isn't so much, Hey, we're going to focus on the X and O's as we're going to focus on the culture would be really beneficial. Um, so do you think a guy like, a, like a Jim Harbaugh would be a good hire for the Panthers? uh jim harbaugh i you know he's had a ton of success obviously uh he's a fiery guy he's a culture builder for sure the marriage of david tepper and jim harbaugh would be fascinating to say he would be someone who could put tepper in his place in my opinion and say let me run the football stuff you take care of the business uh, I, I think that's just my opinion, but I'm sure other, I'm sure Panther fans uh, might have other, a different opinion or, or yeah, if Tepper lets him, it could be really successful. The question would be like, w- would that be a, a great relationship or, or a disaster? That's a hard thing to, to answer. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of your predictions will preview uh, the next game here and I'll get you out of here. Um, the Panthers, um, outside of upgrades at wide receiver, as we know, we need speed. We need some separation in this offense, uh, particularly at the receiver position. Um, offensive line is another one where, you know, people talk about, we need to upgrade at center. We need to upgrade at, uh, both of our starting guards have been out since week one, uh, or well, the one guy came back and then he got injured again. So 
it's like we haven't had the continuity. Uh, it, it, our, our roster was is very top heavy this year. That's how I can best describe it. Um, we don't have depth at the key positions you need depth in. And so part of that, I think, has gone uh, from our general manager perspective, not building that um, there. And then obviously, like we've talked about, just too many cooks in the kitchen this year, and it just didn't mesh. It didn't work out. So all that's to say, this is kind of where we're at right now. Um, and then the last part, part I'll bring up is Brian Burns on our defensive side of the ball. You know, he's someone who um, now we know either this offseason we're going to slap the franchise tag on him or we're going to sign him and trade him. Um, obviously, I Panther fans want us to sign him, um, but someone like him who's been a team player, who's been very good at what he does and hasn't he did more of a hold in, if you will. How do you think someone like him is feeling and what is do you think? what's his incentive to really sign with the Panthers? Like after the way we just treated him, like we still haven't given him a new deal. Do you think he would accept a franchise tag? I, I don't know how much you know on that, on that situation, but what do you think is going through his head? I mean, if they franchise tag, him, he doesn't have a lot of options. Uh, you, you know, you, the I've seen the Steelers go through that. They did it with Le'Veon Bell and he kind of held out, but then for a while and then, and then reported and uh, it just, it, it was a bad situation. Obviously you don't want that situation. Um, I don't know what his incentive would be to, to come back. Uh, I think a lot of that might depend upon who the next head coach is. Yeah. They, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring in a veteran like him, a, a glue guy, a, a chemistry guy and, and say, you know, what are you looking for? I mean, include him in the process. I mean, obviously you're not going to make many promises, but, but to give those guys, uh, an incentive would be to give him some ownership in it, you know, right. To, to essentially say, look, you're a veteran, you're a star player here. You're a guy we want to stick around. You know, what do you want to see from, yeah. uh, from a coaching perspective? Yeah. Well, five games left. Uh, the Steelers and Panthers are in very similar positions. Uh, your game is on Thursday night this week. Um, but uh, we won't talk about that since this is a Panthers podcast, but Steelers coming up on Thursday, Panthers on Monday, or, or sorry, Sunday, I get my days mixed up. Uh, we are in New Orleans taking on the Saints this Sunday for our uh, 13th game of the year. Um, we might be facing Jameis Winston. Derek Carr is in concussion protocol and uh, we'll see if he gets out in time, but Panthers 2-0 against Jameis Winston when he's in a Saints uniform. Uh, Derek Carr is um, – uh, he, he's had his ups and downs this this year. Um, but more about – less about the game against the Saints specifically. What do you want to see uh, – what does your son want to see this Sunday uh, when the Panthers head down to New Orleans um, with their 1-11 record against the Saints? What what uh, what do we need – what do we need to see out of the Panthers this Sunday? Well, I think like last week you want to see him compete. Uh, I mean, they were competitive to the end last week. Obviously, uh, I, you got to hope you get you get the old Jameis Winston who who turned the ball over, uh, you know, like it was his job. And yeah. uh, and and I think the Panthers are are last in the NFL in turnover ratio, or or one of the last. Yeah, and, so, yeah, one of the last. Yeah. I mean, Jameis Winston's been better l- later in his career at, at protecting the football, but obviously early in his career he was a turnover machine. So. I mean, if they're opportunistic, I mean, a big thing for a struggling team is if you create turnovers, you got to cash in because momentum with struggling teams is a huge deal. You, yeah. you create a turnover early, you turn it into six points, you get some confidence, and now all of a sudden you start to, to you know, to play with a different energy. Uh, I think that that, that would be big, a, a quick start, maybe an early turnover, something along those lines. Let let Carolina play from ahead. I read that they they have been behind 
or are they've only Bryce Young has only played with the lead for 18% of the time this season. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a lot of complimentary football. We had the, um, the lead for all of about 25 seconds in the bucks game before Mike Evans caught a 75 yard touchdown pass. Um, so yeah, not a lot of complimentary football being played in Charlotte this season. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So take that burden off him, man. Get, get out to a, get out fast, right. And let them play from ahead and let them feel, a little bit more confident than, than, you know, all the pressures on me. I got to make stuff happen to bring us back from another deficit. That would be huge. Yeah. Um, lastly, um, from a big picture perspective, um, what should Bryce be focusing on the rest of this season? Five games left. Obviously we're first team eliminated from the playoffs, but um, development wise and, 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 uh, and other things, what does Bryce need to focus on the rest of the season? What does this Panther team really need to focus on the rest of the season as they uh, go into another coaching search and get ready for 2024. For, for Bryce Young leadership, I think that that's the number one thing, man. He's, he's got to play through the, you know, the miseries in a way, right? He can't accept it. He can't accept losing. Uh, he can't allow it to affect the way he approaches the game. I mean, he's got to work even harder uh, in the film room he's got to be the most prepared guy on the field so that when he, he steps in the huddle, man, he's holding other guys accountable. He has to, he has to emerge as the unquestioned leader of this team. If he's going to be the franchise guy and there's no better time for that than when you're struggling. I mean, I, I've coached for 30 years and granted it's only at the high school level, but I've coached teams uh, that won championships. I've coached teams that were terrible. I, I've coached two win teams. And I can tell you this, man, you coach way harder when you're bad than when you're good because it demands it. And yeah. you demand more out of your best players when you're bad than yeah. when you're good because that because they're the only ones that can hold the team together. So I, honestly, if I were a Panther fan, I would want to see Bryce Young be a great leader over the next five weeks to 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 establish himself as you know the man going forward in Carolina. Awesome. Well, that seems like a great place to end it. Uh, as I said at the top, uh, my guest today has been Ocean City Football High School head coach. Uh, Kevin Smith. He's also the host of the Call Sheet podcast on Fans for Sports Network NFL channel. Um, you can find him there wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on here on Inside the Vault. And um, thanks for spending some time with us here today. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. Go Panthers. <laughs> yes. Go Panthers. <laughs> All right. And that will wrap up episode number 20 here on Inside the Vault. Uh, my name is Ryan Smith. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and we will see you next time.